Hey, thanks for joining my husband and I as we invite you behind our closed doors, discussing our faith, our walk, our family, and what it means to be set apart, and at times, being unbiblically biblical. What then say you? Welcome, welcome. So today I want to talk about something that many of us already know is in the Word. Um, We've heard it plenty of times, and... We have used it, but we haven't quite felt it. And so I kind of want to go into what's potentially taking place in our lives when that happens. When the truth is there, it's available, it's in the Bible. Um, The Word said it, God doesn't lie, Um, only our hearts do. And so why do we all know to say that the joy of the Lord is our strength? Why do we know that's in the scripture? Why do we know that that's said and we hear it? And so, and we're also told we should just be rejoiced, rejoice in the Lord always. And so we're saying those things and we're supposed to be living those things out, but we're struggling with it. And so I kind of want to talk about that today. Um, I think the thing that we have to consider is that in our lives, we have decided for ourselves what we think is good based on whatever knowledge we gained over this life. Many of us have lived for years um, with where we've benefited um, in a thing and said, okay, so that's good for me. And so maybe I'll continue in the trajectory of my life because it's working out for my good. Um, Many of us have seen things that don't work out for people. And so we say, okay, I won't even entertain that for myself because I don't want to see the bad come out of my life with that thing. And so the only thing about us knowing what we think is good is that God has decided that he's going to prove to us what is best. Okay. Um, The reason why that's a challenge is because the only time we kind of consider that something's wrong with our life when we have chosen to believe in Christ um, is when we decide that our life isn't going the way we expected it to go. So we would say, for instance, something's taking place and we say, well, that's evil. It's, it's evil because it's not matching up with my sense of peace right now. And so it has to be evil. Um, it can't be within the will of God. We say that it cannot be within the will of God because this was not supposed to go this way. Um, and so I kind of want to tap into a story that we all may be familiar with, with that thought process. And that's going to be Job's story. Um, in Job's story, what I think is so interesting is that we're given a glimpse into the supernatural world, the transactions that are happening in the heavenly places. We're getting, we're given a glimpse of Satan doing a thing at the time of asking, can he, because first God reveals him, you know, consider my son, servant Job. Um, and Satan's like, yeah, but he's only like that because you pretty much, for lack of returns, babied him. You've, you've done the best for him. And so that's why he's like that. But I guarantee you, God, if, if, if it were me and I was to do some stuff to him, he would prove to you that he truly does not love you the way you think he does. Okay. Um, and the hard part about this story is that though we're reading it firsthand, Job is not witnessing this transaction. Job is just living his life. 
He's being the righteous servant that God has already proclaimed him to be. He's living his life. He's doing exactly what he was asked to do. He isn't doing anything that is wrong. Um, I would want to go ahead and admit right now and here that before anything happens in Job's life, he is righteous. Okay. And the problem that Job had was he had a faulty belief system in reference to God. What, what, what was faulty about his belief system? He believed that God prospered and blessed him because he was righteous. Okay. Because remember, he was very much indeed considered righteous. God says so himself. And so he, with his false belief, believed that that's how God worked. God prospered and blessed him because he was righteous. And he also believed that the one who was not righteous would not prosper. Okay, if you read the entire story of Job, the biggest challenge that his friends are going to have with him is it. Well, if that was true, why? Why all of a sudden is all of this tragedy after tragedy happening in your life? If that is true, then at some point, Job, you need to admit you're not righteous. Okay, that that was the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge for them and him, because now he's been challenged with his faulty belief, was that he was bearing in his life, what it looked like to be unrighteous. Okay. Um, And so what we have to understand is when we hold on to a faulty belief system, that belief system will be tested and only the truth will stand. Okay. We have to understand that it is very much in scripture that things will happen in our lives to proclaim the glory of God. Okay, and if God's glory is not in a faulty belief system and he loves us, he will not allow us to continue in that lie. He does not desire for us to have any false belief systems whatsoever about him. Rather, he desires for us to have eternal life, which defined by Jesus himself is to know God and also to know who God sent, which was Christ. Okay, that was actually and is still to this day the only thing that was the main desire of our Father in heaven. Okay, that is eternal life, knowing Him and knowing the one He sent. Um, now, what's interesting about this transaction with Job? I'm not going to stay in Job law. I just want to talk about why we can't obtain this idea of what it looks like to persevere. Okay, but what's interesting about Job's story, like I said, we saw the transaction happening in a supernatural place. Job didn't see it. And so this wasn't held against Job. Okay. Though, though his friends were holding this against him, he had no clue what was happening. He just knew something was off. And so he was wanting an audience with God. Okay. Um, and because he had no clue, he assumed that he had a right to know why this was happening. Now I want to pause right here for a second. Suffering is what suffering is. And what we have to understand when we suffer or if we ever suffer in life for the sake of Christ, we are not always going to be given the answer we're looking for, which is why is suffering happening? Okay. Why is suffering happening? Aside from gaining the glory, okay, of God. But what we don't understand is the story of Job is not going to get the answer that Job wants, which is why did this have to happen to me? Okay. Um, and many of us walk around and say, well, why is this happening to me? Why, why is this happening to me? The only answer we get, that, the only answer we may get in return is this is God's way of doing his thing. Okay. It's God's will. And, and, and in Job's story, Job suffered according to God's will. 
Okay. And I want us to pay attention to who else played um, Jesus when he was getting ready to go to the cross. He prayed and he was in that agony and he ended up with the prayer saying, but not my will, but your will be done. Oh, if we could just kind of have that prayer in our daily lives and remind ourselves that sometimes we suffer according to the will of God. And we just need to be allowed, allow ourselves to understand that it's not our will, but his will be done for his glory, whatever that looks like, because we've chosen him and because we believe in him. Okay. Now. We can see Job's story in our own lives for this moment alone. I want us to pay attention to Luke twenty two thirty one when it said um, Jesus was talking to Peter and uh, he was talking to the disciples. Actually, I think they had just sent Judas out. Um, Judas was about to go betray him. Satan had entered to Judas. He was about to go betray him. And down in verse 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers, strengthen your brothers. Do you remember when Jesus says the greatest command is this, is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul and spirit. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor like yourself. Well, see, the thing is, the only way Peter was able to do that was to go through this first. Okay, and so following this statement, though. When Jesus said all these things to Peter, following this statement, notice that Peter immediately went into his own desired belief system, which was indeed faulty. He immediately said, I will die for you. I will fight for you, Jesus. I will I will do whatever it takes for whatever's about to happen. I'm here for it. Okay. And Jesus instantly, because he loved him, gave him the truth. And what Peter had to realize was what Jesus identified as head knowledge in Peter's life was not necessarily heart knowledge. Okay, Peter had in his in his mind, he had the greatest intentions Okay, to make that statement and be bold in it to say that he was going to defend Christ. And you would think Peter by now when he's the same Peter that told Jesus those things aren't going to happen to you. And then you remember Jesus responded, you know, depart from me, Satan, letting Peter know right then and there that statement didn't come from you. Okay, Um, and so, again, he's telling him right here and right now that this is a faulty belief system. And God does not desire for you to function in that faulty belief system. Okay, so let's go back into what's happening with us. Our issue is we are measuring God according to our own belief system. And these same these same beliefs, if they're not on solid ground, if they're not the foundation which Christ has commanded that this would be built on, they're faulty. And if, the, and if the belief is faulty in our life, we'll find that that belief will fail us. All right. And we'll realize that we cannot hold on to it. The way Job tried to hold on to that when he tried to go back and forth and discuss with his friends why he knew that it was true that a righteous person was prosper. But then wait a second. Why is this not happening? OK, maybe you guys are right. Maybe it's not that. But at the same time, what you know, what we had to realize is we will get to a place if it's not true. We're not going to be able, no matter what happens, to hold on to it. Because when God comes and he measures it on a just weight, it's going to be found wanting. Okay. Um, But Jesus, he told us that the, the truth of these things 
He told us that he told us the truth of all these things when he was in John. He was talking. He said, I have told you all these things, meaning I'm telling you right now, we have the availability of this word right here that has told us all these things would happen. This would take place. This is going to happen. This is we are not without persecution. We are not without suffering. These things will take place. Okay. Um, But he told us that he told us these things before he left when he was in his natural man. He told us these things before he left so that we wouldn't fall away. He said, this is why I told you so that you wouldn't fall away. He says, I've said these things to you in John 16, that in me, you may have peace. He says, in the world, you might have tribulation, but be encouraged because he's already overcome the world. All right. Now, one thing we have to understand is if Jesus told us that he has overcome the world, then that is a promise that is yes, it is true and it is a man. OK, now, how then? Are we told in Romans 8, 37, that we are more than conquerors? And then we're talking about this suffering thing. All right. Remind yourself in Romans 8, 37, it says that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Okay. Through Christ. So what I'm telling you is, is anytime we have a belief system that is faulty, anytime we have a belief system that is not standing to the testing. Okay. That means that we are apart from Christ. That means we are not abiding in him. That means that something about us is literally not the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Through Christ. Give me a second. I'm going to pull up one of these verses for you. Okay. Now, remember Jesus said that. If we abide in him and he abides in us, then in him, we would bear much fruit. But he said, apart from him, we can do nothing. The reason why we need to understand when he says that and why that matters is because he's letting us know that we're supposed to be doing something. When he says that we can do nothing without him, then he's letting us know that we were supposed to be doing something with him. And so the question is, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, he gives us the answers. He says we are supposed to be bearing fruit of his love so that the father can be glorified and that we can prove that we are his disciples because of it. We are supposed to be doing something. Okay, we are supposed to be able to understand that we stay with Christ. We abide in him and he in us and that we would bear much fruit. Okay. He says, any that are not in him, he says, he's a vine and he's the, he's the vine and we're the branches and the branch that does not belong to him will be cut off and thrown in the fire. Okay. If, and if that statement is true and I'm talking about the suffering in this moment and only the suffering that comes by the way of just perseverance really right now, no, this, this suffering, let me, get, let me be straight. Cause there's another one we're going to talk about in a second. If it's thrown in the fire, if our faulty belief system is thrown in the fire, okay, if it's thrown in the fire, that means it wasn't a part of him. Okay, that means it wasn't true. It was not true. Um, Now, back to Job's story. Ephesians 6, Paul reminds us that there is a spiritual battle happening. Okay, so if we didn't get it out of Job's story. If we didn't get it reading the scriptures and if we didn't quite grasp it any other time, maybe we weren't hearing it in the church system and maybe we weren't hearing it by the way of someone who was teaching us. I'm not sure. Whoever you're under, maybe they hadn't quite revealed that truth to you. There is a spiritual battle that has taken place and has been going on since the beginning of time. And God has desired for us to be a part of it. 
Okay. And so Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that this is a truth and to stay strong in the Lord. Okay. So this is not, again, we're, we're reiterating, we're supposed to be with Christ, staying strong with him all the time. Okay. That's the only, only way we can overcome the world. All right. When it comes to Satan desiring to sift us like we, okay. And let's just say that this has taken place because it's just Satan desiring to sift us. And, it, and there, like I said, there is a suffering that is going to happen. And all suffering is for our good. But there is a suffering that's going to happen that we can say, um, I think James talks about it in the beginning. He says, consider it all pure joy, for you know that it is for the um, the endurance is for the perfection of the faith. OK, now I want to I want to pause here because I don't want to remove the fact that suffering may be hard for others that is not the way it's hard for you. Okay. There are there is a suffering. Okay. There is a suffering. True story. There is a suffering among our brother and sisters that we cannot turn to them and say, oh, it'll be okay. Y- you'll be all right. You know, what's the saying? Uh if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And then we've kind of put a whole nother spin on that and all these other ways. Okay. Some of that, guys, we cannot do that to people. We cannot. I and I and I venture to say this is why Jesus told us to learn how to love our neighbor, and why Peter went through so many things, and why he had such a guilt that came upon him when it was true. When Jesus says, "At the third crow of the rooster, you will deny me," you know, I think we have to understand um, that there is some suffering that we cannot sit there and be like Joe's friends and try to find fault in the person. And try to say, oh, it's 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 because of something you've done and there you're not quite, you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, what I'm saying is, y'all, we gotta have some compassion. Okay, because some suffering is what it is. There is no light on the other side of that suffering. Okay. You have to get to a place, especially if we're talking about being brothers and sisters in Christ and we're talking about encouraging and edifying and uplifting one another. We got to get to a place when we draw into the Holy Spirit and someone else's life and we ask God, what can we do in that person's life? Or what are the words that we can speak? Or what are the words that we can keep? Okay. When we're dealing with someone that's suffering in that way. Some of us have hurt people more than they need to be hurt in the midst of a suffering that there will not be light on the other side. And we need to be very careful with that type of suffering. Um, And there is suffering that will that we will find ourselves, of course, persevering in that we'll be able to look back on the other thing and be like, oh, okay, you know, but we cannot compare ourselves any other way than by the spirit. Okay. And so be mindful that we cannot judge the things of the spirit without the spirit of God. And so I just venture to tell anybody and anybody, anybody and everybody that's listening right now, do not get to a place where you are just, I don't know, just super salty about something or you're trying to be holier than thou and you are dismissing that somebody's going through something. Okay. Um, but I do want to say this and I want to say this about sin. Okay. I want to say this about sin. I want to talk about the part where we are in a place in our life where we are going through something because there is still sin in our life. Okay. Notice that in our word, because of what Christ has done, because of the atonement for our sins that now allows us to be the righteousness of God. Okay. Because of that truth, we can no longer credit Satan for sin that controls our lives. We can no longer say, well, he came in here, God, and it's his fault that that I did that thing. No, 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 no. Believe this or not, 
when we can when we get to that level where we're feeling like that's what we can blame when we can blame you know satan for doing something in our life that means that we are mature enough in that time in that moment to literally say i need to justify why i could be sinning or can sin okay when we get to that place when we when we can even answer to a thing like that because we're either trying to continue in it or we're trying not to be able to allow the father to come in and just kind of correct us about it. It's because we are mature enough. We are governing ourselves enough to say that we're okay with not having a need for Christ anymore. Okay. Because remember we're abiding in him, but any other thing that happens outside of that, then we're literally saying out loud, I have no need of you to do this thing. We need to be careful with that type of stuff. Okay. Now, it's our obedience to Christ that shows us that we love him. He says so himself. He says, those who love me will keep my commandments. He said that, okay? It is our obedience to Christ that shows that we love him. Um, I want to pull, yeah. That truth is given to us in James 2 as well. Um, in James 2, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the on the on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted in him as righteousness, and was called as a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, the reason why I wanted to read that whole thing and I wanted to reference that right there and I wanted to talk about Jesus, why Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's because we need to understand what James is talking about and the type of belief system that James carries in this moment that he is speaking this. All right. We have to know that James was coming from a Jewish belief system. Okay, when he was when he was speaking these words and in the Jewish belief system, they held on to the fact that obedience to commands in the Bible stemmed from their faith in God. Let me repeat that again. Their obedience to the commands that are in the Bible stemmed from their faith in God. Never, ever, ever did they impose that in any other way. Lest their righteous deeds be considered filthy rags. Okay. Isaiah talks about that. Okay. Lest. So if their if if their if their obedience to God's command was apart from their faith in God, then at that point their righteous deeds were considered filthy rags. Okay, the same truth is is applying to us. See, the thing is, guys, this faith is available to all. Okay, when we had Jesus coming here, Him being revealed to us, this faith is now available to all. And so now that truth stands for us. In this same way, okay, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. In this same way, when Jesus says, those who love me, obey my commands, he's letting you know you're only going to obey my commands because you love me. In any other way, it's like a thief, okay? Go back and see when he was talking to the Pharisees, if you want to challenge that one. Any other way, all right? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so when you see James talk about that in James 2, James is using the Jewish belief system to make sure that the thing that was true from the very beginning of this whole thing is still going to hold true for you and I. Okay. And, and also because Jesus said so. The end. All right. 
they knew in the Jewish custom that um, keeping the commands of God was the result of their relationship with God. It was never to earn a relationship with him. Okay, y'all, that same truth is here right now. God did not desire for us to find some way to be so righteous that we earn a relationship with him. Okay, and I want y'all to pay attention when um, we read James 2 and it says right there that Abraham was considered a friend of God. Did you know that Jesus said the same thing in John to the disciples after all that was said? He says, you are now friends. Okay, what he's trying to say is that relationship is bonding because what I done, what I have done for you, it's not bonding because of what you've done for me. We we got to get away from that thought process that we can do just enough, okay, to gain God's approval. We cannot. He's done everything that needs to be done. We just have to continue to trust in that truth. We just have to continue to trust in him and what he says, okay? Um, and so I'm going to end it all with this because I didn't realize that I was about to go over my time. I want to end it all with this, Okay. John and John, it says, Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. There's nothing we can do apart from him, guys. He's already made it known to us what is to be done. And he's also made sure that we know that it is a heart that loves him, that will obey him. And James wanted to make sure that you know that the Jews already understood that. Okay. And so remind yourself that when I, when I, that if you are standing on anything right now that is happening in your life, or if you're, if, if there's something that is just not matching up with what you believed, you might have a faulty belief system. And God didn't desire for you to have that. He desired for you to have, as they say, the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God.